0: And the voice came to him again a second time. What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times and the thing was taken up at once to heaven. I've skipped down to 34. Um, So Peter opened his mouth and said, truly, I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. And again to 44. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word.
1: It's kind of handy if you have access to a Bible either on your phone or, or in, in your hand, then it's handy to have open because I was only able to squeeze a certain number of verses. There's more I want to talk about, but anyway, um, most of the important ones are on, on the, the service sheet already. But if you have it in your, on your phone, that's handy as well. Um, we've been talking a lot over the last few months about what the church should be and, and therefore what we should be like. Um, as foundation churches we're just starting out we're only two years old so we're still kind of baby like a baby a baby church um, we want to figure out what does it mean to be a church that the god loves and uh, that has his pride and his pleasure upon us and so what we're doing is we're looking at the book of acts which shows the early church the very early church the baby church um, and and we get to pick up some ideas about what it should look like and so today um, we're, we're going to see, we're going to think about this, this chapter 10 here in um, what I'm calling today our missional vision at Foundation Church, our missional vision at Foundation Church. And, and it's important that when we say stuff like mission and vision and our, you know, why we exist, that that all comes from the, the Bible. It's not something we're, we're kind of making up out of thin air. So our missional vision at Foundation Church comes from the scriptures. And I want to show you today that our missional vision is, um, Uh, includes a church number one that is boundary breaking a church number two that is gospel centered a church number three that is spirit empowered and fourthly a church that is a multiplying community on mission all right boundary breaking gospel centered spirit empowered multiplying community on mission and if you've been with us over the last few weeks or months, you'll recognize some of those phrases. They keep coming out time and time again. I just, the reason why I keep emphasizing them is because I want you to see this isn't stuff I've just made up because I've read some clever book. It's because that's what the scriptures are teaching we should be. okay. So first of all, our missional vision at Foundation Church is to be a boundary-breaking church. What does that mean? We've already seen this over the last few weeks, and, and, and yet we see it again so clearly today. Uh, what it means to be a boundary-breaking church. We've seen over the last few weeks, progressively, people have been included into the church from all uh, walks of life further afield. We saw a few weeks ago uh, this group called the Samaritans, kind of cousins of the Jews, um they're kind of like us but not like us they have been included into the church and, and and we thought at that time they are most like in our own day most like the relationship between protestant and catholic you know and so we have these people who are like us but not like us in some ways uh, included into the church and that's awesome the week after that then we saw this ethiopian eunuch he was a he was a a black man from north africa he was included into the church And so we were thinking non-white people are also to be included into the church from different ethnic groupings. And then last week we saw this guy called Saul. And he was a a radical sceptic. He he hated Jesus. He hated the church. In fact, he went around trying to kill Christians. That's what he was doing uh, when Jesus met him. And so even uh, in our own day, we might say the radical uh, atheist, the aggressive secular person, they're also included into the church when they find Jesus. And so today we see this this new example, uh, this man called Cornelius, um, who is what we might term today as a spiritual seeker, someone who is spiritual, but yet it wasn't a christian spiritual yet not religious and the point i'm trying to get to, to to today is that all of these people are included in the church all of them are welcomed all of them find their place within the church of jesus christ and that just shows and we've been seeing this over the last few weeks that shows the power of this movement called the church and it's awesome and we're going to see why it's got power uh, in, a, in a couple of points time but anyway Let's think about this man, Cornelius, and then we'll understand why the church has a mission, missional vision to be boundary-breaking. All right, Cornelius, uh, verse 1 of chapter 10, right at the top of your sheet, uh, says a man called Cornelius who was a centurion in what was known as the Italian cohort. A centurion uh, was a, an, a pretty much an officer in the Roman army. He was over 100 other soldiers. So he was a leader. And you don't just become a centurion because you happen to get picked Um, You know, at random you're a centurion because you're a leader because you're a a man of valour because you probably had some military conquests you showed great courage in in war or in battle and so you were deemed by your superiors to be uh, capable of leading other men into battle as well so he was a a leader, a man of valour, a brave man but it says there in verse 2 he was devout and he feared God with his whole household that is he sort of followed uh, kind of the, the Jewish religion. He feared God. He worshipped God. He prayed, it tells us. He gave money to the poor. But he wasn't a Jew. He was, he was, a, he was a Roman. You know, he was what, what the Bible describes as a Gentile. An outsider. Complete outsider. He never converted to Judaism. He was close, but he was still far away. And so here we have this God-fearing, God-worshipping man of valor. This leader. And yet he was not, uh, he was not a believer in Jesus because he'd never heard of him before. And it says there in verse 3, about the ninth hour in the day, which is about three o'clock in the afternoon, the typical time when Jewish people would pray, devout people were praying, probably was in prayer at this time. It says he had a vision uh, from God or a vision of an angel. And and don't forget this man, this mighty sort of, you know, man of valor. He's seen a few things in his day. It says he was utterly terrified when he saw this vision of this angel. And this angel spoke to him. They had this conversation and it went a little something like this. God has seen you. He knows your hearts. Now send to a town called Joppa to get a guy called Simon Peter. The end. That was the, pretty much the extent of the vision and the conversation they had. God has seen you. Now go and find a guy called Simon Peter in the town down the road. Bring him back to you. That's it. And again, as we've seen um, a, a few times now, when, when God gives visions, they tend to be very uh, specific but very limited in scope. Very limited in scope. I'm going to give you some information. I'm not going to show you the whole picture, but you know, uh, go get this man Simon from Joppa, and then I'll fill in the blanks later on. Before we go any further, though, we must understand, we must understand, if we're going to really get to the grips of, of this passage, we must understand the distinction between people like Cornelius and then people like the Jews. They were, they were, they were very clear and strict boundaries between the children of Israel and everybody else. The children of Israel, that is the Jews, had their own dietary laws, what they could and could not eat, according to the Bible. Uh, they had their own religious customs that sort of marked them off as being belonging to the people of Israel, and circumcision um, was, was one of those customs. Um, they had a specific place of worship that no one else was allowed to unless you were a Jew. They had specific holy days, again, that marked out Jewish practice and religion. All of these things said that the people of Israel are separate, they're distinct, they're special, and everyone else is different but here in this passage in this part of the history of the church that old division comes tumbling down in fact in a a verse here uh, that you don't have on your sheet peter when he eventually arrives at the house of cornelius he says to them to all gathered he says you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a jew to associate or visit anyone from another nation it's obvious that there is this distinction We cannot be together. And yet because of this uh, next part that we'll see in a minute, that division, that boundary is broken. It comes tumbling down. This episode with Cornelius blows the doors wide open about who can come in to the kingdom of God. So that's Cornelius and we're, we're sort of left with things hanging. He sends men off to this town called Joppa to go and find a guy called Simon Peter. That's it. That's all he knows about. At the same time, roughly, Peter himself, the Apostle Peter, also known as Simon Peter, was also having a vision from God. It says there um, in uh, verse 9 that Peter went up on top of the house that he was staying in to pray. He was hungry. He wanted something to eat. And while they were downstairs preparing it, his hosts, it says Peter fell into a trance, some sort of ecstatic state. Not exactly sure what that looked like or how it felt for him, but it was obviously a vision because he saw heaven opening and something like a great sheet descending down onto the earth and in that sheet in this vision he saw this sheet it was filled with animals in verse 12 all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air all kinds and that's important because for jews they were only allowed to eat certain types of animals but not this type certain types of birds but not this type and yet, in this sheet, in this vision that Peter saw on top of the, the, the housetop that time, he saw loads of animals, a mixture of clean and unclean, ones the Jews could eat and ones the Jews traditionally could not eat. But then he heard this word. A voice came to him in verse 13 Rise, Peter, kill and eat. And then look at Peter's response in verse 14. He says, By no means, Lord. He knew it was God speaking to him. By no means, Lord. I've never eaten anything that is common or unclean. I'm a good Jew. I've obeyed the law. I've never eaten anything that your law has prohibited me from eating. I've never done that. By no means. But then look at verse 15. Uh, Then a voice came to him and said a second time. Let's read this out together actually. This is important. What God has made clean do not call common. Let's read that again. What God has made clean do not call common. That is so important. This happens three times. And then the sheet goes off. He wakes up, obviously gets up and has his food, and that's that. Very, very puzzling to Peter. Has no idea what that's all about. Wondering what it was all about. And then just at that time, who knocks at the door? Who comes to the house but these men sent by Cornelius to Joppa, to the town that Peter was in. Just as they were knocking at the door, the Holy Spirit said to Peter, these men are coming. They're looking for you. It's okay. Go with them. Go with them and share the good news. Paraphrase. But that's what he said. And so fast forward a day or so, and uh, Peter and a few of his pals arrive at Caesarea, which is the town where Cornelius is. And it says that Cornelius had gathered all of his relatives and his close friends. And when Peter goes into the house and he, he sees all these people gathered to hear his message, it suddenly clicks in his mind, he suddenly understands the whole thing with the sheep and the animals and and the common and the clean and God calling them clean. He suddenly gets it. And he says in verse 28, God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. Or in verse 34, he says God shows no partiality. At that moment, you can see the church is one of a boundary breaking mission. Peter gets it. He realises the church breaks boundaries. It keeps just getting more and more awesome as the, the the text of Acts goes on. More and more barriers are broken down. More and more are torn down. Deep seated divisions between people are dissolved because of the church, because of Jesus. And so this household, it says, they gathered together. They hear the gospel. They receive the Holy Spirit. They are baptized. They are included into this boundary breaking movement called the church. And that's awesome. It's such a turning point. It's such a turning point in the history of the church. Because ultimately it's why I'm a member of the church. It's why, why Jesus has given himself for me because of what we see here in Acts 10. And if you are a believer today, unless you're a Jewish believer, I'm guessing most of you are probably not. You're like me. You're a non-Jew uh, by birth. And if you're a believer in Jesus, you are so because of what we're seeing here in Acts chapter 10. That's where it started. It's awesome people like us are welcomed in. You know, in our, in our world, in our society, um, we are most commonly, not always, but most commonly, we organize ourselves uh, along the lines that divide us, right? We form groups around people that look like us or believe like us or sound like us, because it's just natural that that's what happens, that's where we go. And that's true inside the church and it's true outside the church, whether it's your politics, you hang out with people that share the same political views. Whether it's your gender, whether it's your class, whether it's your ethnicity and so many other dividing marks, we tend to gather around people who are just like us. But here we start to see in the church that is not to be in the advancing kingdom because the church is a boundary-breaking organization. I love this part from Um, Saint John who writes this he has a vision from God as well and it's recorded in the book of Revelation Um, he's having this vision of heaven and and gets a glimpse of, of, of the future of what heaven will look like and he said I looked and behold there was a great multitude that no one could number from every nation from all tribes from all peoples and from all languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb and they were crying out in a loud voice salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne? I love that. This image of the future, this glorified, perfected future. And what happens? People from all nations, languages, tribes, and tongues. We're all together. Because the church is a boundary breaking institution. And so, uh, this is my vision. This is our vision for us at Foundation Church. We are going to be, because of what we're reading here, a church that reflects the makeup of our surrounding community. If you draw uh, you know, uh, um, with Foundation Church here in the middle and a mile radius around each side, you will find quite a lot of diversity. It is our vision, because of what we're reading here, that we are to be a church that is a boundary-breaking church. We will consist of people who hold PhDs and people from a paramilitary background. We will consist of stay-at-home moms and biochemical scientists. We will consist of people who were born in Eastern Europe and people who were born in East Belfast. We will consist of those who have lots of education and those who have none. We will consist of those who have children and those who have none. Those who have money and those who have none. Those who've had religious experiences and those who've had none. This is what we will find when we take the scripture seriously. This is our vision for Foundation Church, a boundary breaking vision for the church. Because that is what the gospel does. That is what Jesus does. When we understand him, when we get what he's done for us and what what he achieved on the cross, boundaries start falling down. This is our vision. Um, But it's also a challenge, isn't it? It's a challenge because it challenges our comfort levels, our comfort zone. As I said, we naturally go towards people like us and away from people who are unlike us. And so it challenges that. The gospel challenges that. It even produces fear when we think we have to hang out with people like that. But once we start to understand Jesus and the amazing scope of what he has achieved for us, once we start to see that church like that is enriched by all this diversity, by all these experiences and cultures uh, coming together, we will start to see that a church like that is boundary breaking, it is radical, it is beautiful, it attracts outsiders, it displays the extravagant glory and grace of God like no other. And, you know, let's face it, we live in a, in a pretty divided city, in a, in a divided country, and, and and. And what impact could a boundary-breaking church have in a city like ours that doesn't worry about all these divisions that we have? Instead, we display something of God's amazing power through all the diversity that we'll have in our church. So first of all, the church is a boundary-breaking church, and we we see that in Acts chapter 10. Second, our missional vision, uh, number two, is we are gospel-centered. We're gospel-centered. And that explains the why and the how we get to be boundary-breaking. The holy angel uh, appeared to Peter and uh, said, uh, sorry, appeared to Cornelius and said, right, bring Peter, uh, verse 22, you don't have it on your sheet, said, uh, I want you to hear what Peter has to say. In verse 33, they're all gathered. I want you to hear what Peter has been commanded. In verse 44, all who heard the word were filled with the spirits. See, at the centre of a boundary-breaking community is the good news about Jesus. That's why we're gospel-centred. Peter, you see, attends this house. He doesn't know what he's going to find. He finds out it's packed with people, all of Cornelius' household, his close friends, his wider family circle. There they are, expectant, ready. And so Peter knows at that moment what he must say. He explains the gospel in verses 34 to 43, he understands, he gets that God shows no partiality. God accepts anybody who trusts in Jesus. And so he tells them the gospel. What is the gospel, I hear you say? The gospel, as Peter um, outlines, is this. God sent Jesus to preach peace to Israel. And yet he has opened that peace to all people. Jesus went around doing good works Jesus was anointed by the Holy Spirit, but they killed him. They hanged him on a tree. But in verse 40, it says that God raised him on the third day. He's no longer dead anymore. And we, he says, we, the apostles, we are witnesses of his resurrection. We ate and drank with him. And one day he's going to come again to judge everybody. But the prophets of the Old Testament show and say that everybody who believes in Jesus will receive forgiveness and peace. That's the gospel. And that applies to us today as much as it did to them. And it says in the story that when they heard, well, as when Cornelius' household heard and believed, they received uh, um, the truth of that into their hearts, says they were baptised in the Holy Spirit and in water, and they were marked out as belonging to the people of God. See, at this moment, it clicks for Peter. This vision of the, the clean and the unclean, God has made these people clean because of Jesus through the gospel. The church is for all people. That is the boundary breaking power of the church. It is because of Jesus. And when we start to see the the power of Jesus to unite that divide, that peace with God, when we start to see that, we can start to see that there is no such thing as aliens. There is no such thing as enemies. There is no such things of outsiders in the church because Jesus has dealt with all those things by his death on a cross. That's why we won't see this kind of power, this uniting power outside the church. That's because in the church, we'll see the outsider coming home. We'll see the far from God person coming near to him. We'll see those who are excluded find a place and that's all because of Jesus. And so that's why as a church, we are gospel-centered. We cannot depart from this, this is where our identity lies, this is where our motivation comes from, this is where our power is, because we are centered around the gospel of Jesus. And so this is our vision, as a gospel-centered church, to articulate the gospel as compellingly and powerfully as we know how, to as many cultures and subcultures that make up society. That's what we're gonna do. That's our vision, to be persuasive, winsome, so that we may win as many people to Jesus as possible. We are a church that will do whatever it takes to win people to Jesus. All these groups that I mentioned a few moments ago, we want to reach them with the good news of Jesus, no matter who they are, where they're from. We're a church that is gospel-centered. Thirdly, barrier-breaking or boundary-breaking, gospel-centered, number three, we are spirit-empowered, that's our vision, to be a spirit-empowered church. Again, just even, even just hearing some of these things and reviewing this, these verses, even if this is the first time you've heard this story, um, you, you, you'll see that this is so um, spiritual. And I, and I mean that word uh, in the sense of this is so of the Holy Spirit. There is so much activity of the Spirit going on here. It's overt. What's happening? whether it's the vision to Cornelius of the angel whether it's the trance that Peter had and they had the vision himself whether it's the direct word from the spirit that Peter had in verse 19 whether it is the the, the falling of the Holy Spirit upon all who heard the words the Holy Spirit is in and through this so clearly the Jewish Christians it says that uh, that Peter brought along with him for moral support they were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on The Gentiles, they're amazed. It says in verse 46, the Gentiles, Cornelius and his household, filled with the Spirit, were speaking in tongues, extolling God. That means they were erupting in praise and thanks and joy for Jesus and what he's done. Outbursts of worship and honour and glorifying to Jesus. That, That was what was going on in that house. It just suddenly took off like fire. So Spirit-filled. And if you've been reading with us and studying with us over the last few months, you'll, you'll know that this is not unusual. When we, when we begin the book of Acts right up until now, and right through to the end, we see that the Holy Spirit is moving powerfully. He is prominent. In Acts chapter 2, we saw on the day of Pentecost this great, Uh, outpouring of the Holy Spirit, very similar to to what's just happened in Cornelius' house. And from that day onwards, we're seeing healings in the name of Jesus. We're seeing signs and wonders. We're we're, we're hearing of words of knowledge being given to the apostles. Uh, we're, We're hearing of the believers in Jesus being filled with boldness, filled with wisdom to answer those who are accusing them. We're seeing the Spirit take a persecutor of the church and make him into a disciple of Jesus. That's what happened to Saul. We're seeing the Spirit growing the church, comforting the church, performing all kinds of amazing signs and wonders. We're seeing outsiders taking their place and receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit, participating in Pentecost. But that doesn't stop in Acts chapter 10, of course. It continues and continues as Acts progresses. And there is no sign of that Spirit-empowered activity stopping by the end of the narrative. In fact, it presumes that it will continue on into the church. The presence and the power and the reality of the Holy Spirit in the local church is affirmed not just in the book of Acts, but throughout the New Testament letters that follow. In fact, St. Paul, the, the writer of a majority part of the Um, or a significant part of the New Testament, um, is the guy that you go to to learn a lot about the Holy Spirit. And he says this to the local churches, eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially that you might prophesy. See, the whole point of this, folks, is so that we receive the gifts that God gives to build the church, to glorify Jesus and to strengthen his people. It's fair to say, I think that within, you know, Bible-believing evangelical churches, there's a lot of variety on this um, very topic. Some churches that you may have attended or heard of prioritize the word. They prioritize uh, the message. They're they're big on teaching and preaching and Bible studies, and, and that's excellent. Thank God. They go deep in the word, but oftentimes... They don't go very high in terms of experience of what the word is talking about. They just sort of park it at level one and never get to level two. That's maybe a generalization, but, but that, you know, some tend to go in that direction. Other churches that you may have attended or know of or been to or what have you um, might prioritize the other side, the, the spiritual stuff, quote unquote. They may be the ones that have lengthy uh, times of musical worship and a focus of of ministry time where the gifts of the Holy Spirit are, are exercised as taught in the New Testament. And such churches that tend in that direction are often high on experience and yet they might be lacking in the depth of the word. Not all, but some lacking in the depth of the word. But... Maybe you can see where I'm going with this. The book of Acts and really the whole of the New Testament does not see a division between these two things, the, the, the Word and the spirits. There is no uh, dichotomy between the two. Look down even at verse 44. It says, those who heard the Word and therefore uh, believed, upon them it was the ones that the Holy Spirit fell. See, they're hearing the Word. They're taking it inside themselves. They're thinking about it. They're trusting in it. They're believing it. And it's upon them that the Holy Spirit fell. You see, word and spirit together in unity through the ordinary means, the studying, the reading, the thinking, the meditating, and the extraordinary means. The signs and wonders, the healing, the tongues, the prophecy. It's both and in the New Testament church. And so our vision here at Foundation Church is to be a church that is aware of the presence and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We want to be a church that is expectant, that, that, as Paul says, eagerly desires all that God wants to give us. And we get all this, by the way, folks, from the Bible. Not making this up. And the good news is, the, the cool thing is, the awesome thing is, that God still advances the gospel today as he did in the book of Acts. He still wants us to glorify his son today as he did in the book of Acts. He still gives gifts to build and strengthen the church today as he did in the book of Acts. Therefore, we are a church that legally desires all that God wants to give us. So our missional vision, a boundary-breaking, gospel-centered, spirit-empowered church. Finally, fourthly, we are a multiple, multiplying community on mission, or a multiply, multiplying communities on mission, whichever way you want to put it. Let me explain what I mean by that mouthful term. You can start to see, hopefully, as we're, as we're thinking about these things, we can start to see how beautiful, how powerful, how boundary breaking the church community is. And that is forming in this city called Caesarea. It was a, it was a city port uh, north of Jerusalem, um, did a lot of trade across the Mediterranean. And right now, this city port has this new baptized household of believers Cornelius, his family, his friends, maybe a few neighbors as well, filled with the spirit on fire for Jesus. What an awesome start to a church. And it says in verse 48, uh, they spent more time with Peter, no doubt learning as much as they could about Jesus and the gospel and the history and the background. Awesome start. But do you remember a few weeks ago, we covered and looked at this guy called Philip, who was an early leader in the church, an evangelist in the church. He was... uh, Uh, teaching the Ethiopian eunuch about the gospel of Jesus, and then it said he, he was taken away by the Spirit. Do you remember where he ended up? Caesarea, the same town that Cornelius lives in this spirit-filled man of wisdom, this leader of the early church. Just imagine the kind of team that God was putting together in that city. Fast forward to chapter 18, verse 22. A few years later, it says when Paul, who'd been traveling around the ancient Near East, when he landed in Caesarea, the same town, it said he went up and greeted the church. A few years later, they are a gathering. They are a body, the church. The church. Not only are they surviving, but they are growing. Not only are they growing, but they are multiplying. This church, fast forward even to 21 verse 16, this church, this growing, multiplying, gospel-centered, spirit-filled church, sent a delegation to Jerusalem to accompany Paul on his missionary journey. See, now this church were not only surviving and enjoying Jesus and, and bringing others in, but they were sending members out to help and minister to other churches further afield. I love that. And this is, in the, this is just in a few years. Philip was probably part of that too. Philip had four daughters, it tells us. All of them were gifted as prophets. There was another Christian prophet called Agabus who was also found in, in Caesarea at that time. What an awesome team God was putting together in this little church in Caesarea to, to bring the gospel and the good news of Jesus out to the ends of the earth. And that's what he does, and that's what he's doing for us today. I love this. What an awesome team. What firepower they had. What energy and zeal they had for Jesus. They were receiving Christian leaders from other churches. They were sending out missionaries and leaders to strengthen and support. This is just superb. This is amazing, and this is what we see happening time and time again. This is a vision for how our church will be and what we will be doing. And folks, this happens all through the book of Acts, not just here in Caesarea, all through the book of Acts. These little pockets of light, these little communities around the gospel of Jesus are being formed as people are called and saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, whether it's in Caesarea or Jerusalem or Corinth or Samaria or Ephesus or Antioch or even Rome, the centre of the known world. All around the region we see churches being planted, people being sent out as more and more hear the gospel and believe. And that is why the church, Foundation Church, is to be a multiple, multiplying community on mission, or a multiply multiplying community on mission. This is where we get our focus from. We get our cue from the book of Acts. And that the more we lean into the text of Scripture and what God teaches through it, uh, the more we will be inspired and caught up in what God was doing through the early church and what he's therefore doing through us. They had very little resources, just like us. They relied heavily on God. And we can see the staggering impact that they made as the gospel advances from town to city to town to rural areas because of Jesus. And here's the good news, folks. Today, it is the same. It is the same gospel that we believe that they have. It is the same Holy Spirit that we receive that they received. It is the same urgency to tell the world that we have. It is the same calling God gives us. We are on the same mission that Jesus sends us out on. And so here is our vision. At Foundation Church, we will be a multiplier, multiplying, multiplying community on mission. Multiply multiplying community on mission. We're not just going to be one church. Here's how we're going to do it. Big picture. This is big picture stuff, all right? Foundation Church Belfast. I believe God is calling us To become a resourcing and equipping church. A resourcing and equipping hub. Raising up, sending out, generous with whatever we have. And that starts now. We don't wait till we've got six-figure bank balance. That starts with what little we have. A resourcing and equipping hub to send out gospel ministry across the island of Ireland. Number two, as a multiplying, or multiplying, multiplying community on mission, we are going to look for opportunities to plant new communities on mission, whether that is fresh church plants in areas where there are no church plants, or whether that is revitalizing or replanting other churches that have fallen on hard times and that indeed have shut the doors. We will say to God, You give us empty buildings and we'll fill them. With people because of what you have done in the book of acts give us empty buildings we'll fill them with people give us people and we'll send them out on mission to jesus so we are our missional vision is to be a boundary-breaking gospel-centered spirit-empowered multiple multiplying community on mission so I want to leave you with this challenge as we, as we just draw a line under this. My challenge to you is to ask, are you on board with where God is taking us? Do you want to join us on mission to make much of Jesus and glorify him around the world? Are you going to say yes to Jesus. Yes, I'm on board. Yes, I'm going to give my time, my life, my money to Jesus and his mission and my brothers and sisters here in this room as we seek to do this together as a group, as a body. Are you on board? Are you going to say yes to Jesus? The second thing you can do if you wish to respond to this is bring everyone you can to meet Jesus. That's not me, by the way. That's not anyone else in this room, but we sure do talk about Jesus a lot, And he is present with his spirit all the time. And every time we open the word and every time we sing and every time we pray, Jesus is present. Are you going to bring your friends to meet Jesus as we gather as a church, family, co-workers, neighbours? Doesn't matter who they are. Doesn't matter what their relationship with religion is or Jesus is. We'll take anybody. If they say yes to you, I'll come. We will take them here. And we will share Jesus and his love. And we'll leave it between them and Jesus. Are you going to say, yes, I'm on board? And number two, bring everyone you can. We are a church that has this hope-filled expectation that God will bring many to Jesus, not just ones and twos every other year, although that's great. Many people to Jesus because of what we read here. So we're going to respond just now um, in prayer. Um, the guys are going to come up and lead us just now in some music and we're going to also respond in song and we're going to sing this next song which is no other name has the power to save but Jesus Uh, in Jesus because of him strongholds will come down darkness will be put away light will come so let's stand and pray together and then we'll sing and uh, come to the communion table as well so let's stand